0: A psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glorify in him. While the mouths of liars will be silenced. This is God's word.
1: Good morning, how are we, we doing all right, man, you guys are, I mean, I haven't been here long, you guys are great, man, <laughs> no, it's from the moment I walked in the door, great coffee, hospitality, smiling faces, and I love that, because people always ask me, why are you always smiling, I don't know, it's just God's, God's good, and just, you know, there's, there's joy um, in knowing God, Right? And there's joy in warm weather. God, give him praise. <laughs> so, I mean, the thing is, like, I live, yeah, I live in Boston. And I think we're similar that when it's cold, we complain. And then when it's hot, we complain. Like, there's nothing, like, we're never like, this is great, this is perfect. It's always something else. Anyways, um, it's really great to be with you today. And um, you have a beautiful city. I, just, I don't say that just to, like, blow smoke. Like, seriously, you have a beautiful city. We've been enjoying it. And i um, thankful for your pastor and your leadership for for having me here today with you all. And um, I told someone, we're your, um, we're your closest relative. You didn't even know you had a relative in Boston. Some of you, you you're your closest relative. So good to meet you. And um, if you're ever on um, in Boston, hit us up. We'll hang out. I'll take care of you like you've taken care of me. <clears throat> and so I'm excited about... Um, the series that you're in after God's heart and lessons in the life and prayer of David. And um, if you've been around the church long enough, like David's everybody's favorite, right? If you've been around the church long enough, you've been in Sunday school, you know that David is really cool. David is, he was the king of Israel, and it says that, um, Jesus will sit on David's throne, that he will be the forever king, that he will sit on the throne of David, and so we know that David is an important figure, and um, even more than him just being king that, that makes David popular is that um, people connect with him, and I think people connect with David and his psalms and his stories because David went through stuff. The David went through stuff, and we have the privilege of kind of reading his journal as we go through a lot of the psalms that he's written. And he's gone through stuff, and how he talks about it, and how he journeys through it. Like We connect, and we resonate with that. Anybody resonate with David's story in here? And don't you oftentimes in in life that um, you connect with someone in real life, or a character in a book, or a movie that's kind of gone through something that... You resonate with that? You're like, man, yeah, I understand that. I like that character, kind of like the villain right now, because sometimes I feel like the villain in my life, right? And there's sometimes there's characters or people that you meet and God, I like you. There's something about you that I like. Um, we often say this, like, we don't want any new friends who haven't gone through anything, <laughs> right? Because if you haven't gone through anything. If you don't, if you haven't like persevere through something hard and everything is like rose colored I mean not that I don't want people to be optimistic but if you haven't gone through something and come through the other side of it with with a relative level of emotional health like I don't know I just I don't know if we have energy or bandwidth for that and so there's something to be like man you went through that and you come through it and you're, you're healthy man can we be friends amen all right <laughs> somebody agrees with me Anyways, Psalm 63 is a beautiful, beautiful psalm, and there's this thing, it's called a subscription, Um, not a subscription, a a superscription, sorry, and it comes right before verse 1, and um, this tells us a little bit about the setting. Think of a subtitle, when a movie starts, it tells you where it's at or the date and the place, and this says, a psalm of David, when he was in the desert of Judah, so David was in the desert of Judah, and he wasn't on holiday. As we in America, we call it vacation. He wasn't on vacation. What happened? He was in the desert because um, his son Absalom created a rebellion to take over the kingdom. Some commentators think it might, it might have been he, where he ran away from Saul Either way, the the destination or the scenario is not something that David longed for or planned for or wants for his life. One commentator says this, the wilderness was a barren, desolate place where he was deprived of the comforts of home and exposed to bad weather and hostile enemies. Not only was David betrayed by his son not only was David betrayed by those closest to him in this place where we find him he's pushed to a space he's surrounded in an environment where everything in the world is pressing up against him from all angles his life in this moment is completely exposed and he's vulnerable and he's powerless has anybody ever been there before this is what we call the wilderness for some of us The past two to three years has felt like a wilderness. For some of us, much of our life has felt like a wilderness, exposed, vulnerable, powerless. And if you've walked with God long enough, you've experienced the wilderness. One commentator says this, The question is not whether we as God's people will have to go through the wilderness experience, but rather how to face them. So the, the question if you're walking with the Lord is not if you will experience a wilderness, it's when you experience a wilderness, how will you respond to it? How do you respond to difficulties? How do you respond to a season in time where it feels like God is distant and not answering the phone and there's no way forward out of your own strength and resources? How do you, what do you do when you feel buried by your burdens? And know for some, we, we question God. God, are you even real? Are you even real right now? God, why would you let this happen? Why would you bring me this far to dump me right here in the wilderness, in this barren land, in this barren, barren place and time and space? And it's not that we don't have legitimate moments of doubts and questions and, and anger, but today is about what we do with our doubts and our fear, and our frustrations, and our questions. What do those things lead us to? Are you with me? For some of us, when the universe pushes us down, we either lay down in a fetal position and say, that's it, I'm done, or we fight back. Who's who's been raised to fight back? Nobody, I got one, I got two. My wife from Brooklyn, been raised to fight back. You better fight back. This is what my parents taught me. Don't look for trouble, but if trouble comes looking, let them know what's up. Let them know. <laughs> let them know where you're from. Sometimes we fight back in the flesh. Sometimes we say, God, I've tried your way. God, I've been following your way, and look where that's landed me. I'm just going to take it from here, God. David, David in the psalm could have taken that posture. He was a great fighter. He was even ju- justified. He was the legitimate king. So this is an important moment in David's journey with God. Remember, it's not if, but how you respond to the, de- to the desert, to the wilderness. How does David respond? There's a, saying, there's a saying that goes, you don't know what's in somebody until you cut them like a fruit. You don't, you don't really know. They could look beautiful and ripe and delicious. Until you cut that fruit open, you find out what's inside or what it tastes like. Is it bitter? Is it dry? Are there bugs inside? Is it rotten? You don't know until it's cut. David is betrayed by his son. He's cut open. And what comes out, He pour, what pours out of David is worship and prayer. David, for David, this This heartbreak is like a cracked, open desert soil that's desperate for God. Verse one, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. Point number one, worship where you are at, especially in the desert. David says, I'm in a dry, arid place. I have no resources for my physical life. And though though he knows what palace life is like, though he has sat at the table of kings, though he's had the finest tea and coffee and delicacies, what he really wants in this space is God. What he really wants is sanctuary life. He longs for God's sanctuary presence, and he, he's lamenting the distance and the separation of the season. He's not sure, I'm sure he misses home, but man, he misses God. I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. There were, there were a lot of things that David needed to happen in his life. There are a lot of things that I'm sure he could have listed in this moment, but his utmost desire was for the Lord. I think that's why these psalms resonate with us so much. Like Psalm 42 is kind of a companion verse to this. It says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Are you dry? There's, there's something that resonates with these passages with so many of us because we all experience dry seasons. Are you dry? Are you, do you feel like you're in a place in a season where nothing is flourishing in your life? where maybe you, you feel like you're withering? I can't think of anything more valuable or costly than water when you're in a drought. When you're in a drought, I don't need gold. When I'm in a drought, I don't need my iPhone. I would like to have my iPhone, but I'm saying, like, if I'm in a drought, if I'm in a desert, what I really need more than anything else is water. David says, that longing for water in the desert is that longing that he has for God in this moment while he's in the desert. Do you thirst? Do you long for more? Do you need God? Jesus told the woman at the well, Yeah, I I see the water that you're drinking. But he says, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Thirst is not bad. Thirst is good. Thirst is an indicator of what you need. Thirst is an indicator of something that you need for life. Jesus said, I thirst for God. If you're thirsty, this isn't bad because Jesus says those who thirst will be filled and if you're in a dry season, like being on a fast, I do those sometimes, um, you start to remember things that bring you life, right? When you're, when you're on a fast, you begin, man, I love tacos. Oh, my gosh. When I eat them, I feel the joy of the Lord. <laughs> you begin to think of the things that bring you life, you begin to think, remember the things that bring enjoyment to you. And as you begin to do that, it creates longing. As you think about what brings you life, it directs your hunger pains. And David says in verse two, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. This is what David is doing while he's in the desert. He says, I remember I've seen you in the sanctuary. Verse two, I have seen you. David says, I have seen you. Point two, remembrance is the fuel for our worship in the wilderness. You stir up your memory. Our current situation will tell us that this is all that there is, so settle for salt water. But David says, I have seen you. See, it's not the desert that's the problem. It's being in the desert without you. I want you here like I experienced in the sanctuary. David is saying, can we turn this desert into a sanctuary? God, I don't believe that you are limited to a particular space, time, location, or season. Though I'm in the desert, I believe that you can be here. Though my physical life is on the cusp, drawing near to you is all that I really need. It's all that I really want. It's all that really matters. He says in verse 3, listen to this. Because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. The wilderness can feel like death. And it will whisper to you, God doesn't love you. God has abandoned you. How can God love you and put you in a place like this? Nothing is going right. How can God love you through this? But the wilderness is not an absence of God's love. Your love is better than life. Life with all its curveballs, ups and downs, highs and low. Your love is better than life. And David is saying, I can't let this place keep me from my first Love. Church, whatever you go through, it does not diminish God's love for you. The wilderness might be a way to rediscover God's love. God's love is for you. David realizes, God's love is for me. One commentator says this, The loving kindness of the Lord is better to him than life itself. For without it, life would be nothing But a desert. This is a psalm of resolve. He says, My lips will glorify you. In other words, I will not let this beat me. I will not let this desert, this wilderness shut me up. So many of the Psalms say, I open up my mouth, I open up my lips to, to praise God, to bless the Lord, that praise will be always on my lips, that I would bless his name at all times. I will praise him. I will seek him with joyful lips. Verse 4, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. He's saying, as long as I have life in my body and air in these lungs, I will put on display a response of the great love that you have for me. And that's what worship is. You see, regardless of the circumstance that I don't really like, that I don't really care for, man, God, you're here and your love reaches out to me. And I'm I'm right here in the desert, dry and running away, and I'm praising you. I'm lifting up my hands, and from my lips are coming words of praise and affirmation that you're good. I've seen you. And I know that you're good. Point three, delight in God. David is saying, God is so good. He's saying, God, you're so good. When I think about you and I remember who you are, man, you're good. I've tasted and seen. Listen, I, I, I call myself a, a novice foodie. And um, <laughs> I really love um, spicy, savory meats, among, among many other things. Among many, many other things. I really love food. Um, and, hey, you got good food in this city, man, praise God. And uh, one thing I know as we talk about spicy, savory meats is that um, some of the best meat is around like where the fat is. And uh, I'm sorry, veg- vegans and vegetarians. Um, and when it's really, really good, when it's like really, really good, um, you might catch me singing, man, come on, somebody, be real in here. You never have something good and you have a guttural response to what you're having. He was like, man, this meat is good. Like, you like you do something, you do the hammer dance, you do something, like, this is so good. Everyone does it. You have a religious experience when you have something amazing. You do, and you're like, man, this is, I, I know that I'm alive and I'm meant for this. Um, I, when, I, when I have my mom's oxtails, my mom's from Jamaica, make them like, God, you're so, so good. <laughs> I don't know where the oxtail comes from, but you're so, so, good, and this is so, so good. David says, verse 5, I will be satisfied as with the riches of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. David says, this is how it is with God. The meat and morrow, the riches of food, that's God's table. And what he's saying is God has and God will really take care of me. And when I think about it, when I think about God's table, when I think about how God will take care of me, like I want to sing about it. Or vice versa, when I sing about how good God is, it makes me realize that his table is set and it's beautiful and he gives me the riches of food. Do you have a song? Do you have a song that reminds you and stirs you up of God's goodness? Great is thy faithfulness. Maybe God wants to write a song through you. Maybe God wants to sing a, a song through you to, to awaken and breathe life into you. Well, you remember that David has been betrayed. He's still in the wilderness. Things aren't good, but God is good. One pastor, Warren Weersby, says this. It is our regular worship that prepares us for the crisis experiences of life. What life does to us depends on what life finds in us. And David had in him a deep love for the Lord and a desire to please him. Because David had seen God's power and glory in his house, he was able to see it in the wilderness as well. worship changes our perspective that's what worship and praise do it it reminds us who God is and it aligns our soul and our emotions and our mind with God's perspective and it gives us a renewed sense of confidence in the moment right there's sometimes you're going through something and you're so fixed on the something that's coming your way and then you kind of God gets your attention. You worship or you sing or you read a psalm and you're like, oh man, God, you see this so different. Or you hear, so your love trumps this fear that I'm feeling right now. David says in verse 6, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. Often we have sleepless nights because we're playing out worst-case scenarios. And David, in the night, watch. He worships, and that worship reminds him that he's, he has a sense of security because of God. That whatever comes his way, that he, he's under the shadow of God's wings. How can we sing when things are bleak? I think that's what some of us ask when we come to church when we come to a space like this how do I how do I sing how do I praise God when things are bleak when I have unsure job security I don't know where rent's coming from I got bill collectors calling my cousins about me I'm lonely I'm hungry I'm lost I have literal threats on my life and livelihood maybe the the shadows that you feel in your life maybe maybe God is even above those Maybe his wing is is above that, and maybe you can't see it or perceive it or believe it. But Maybe God is saying, come under my wings and sing. David says in verse 8, I cling to you. See, when we go through something, we're going to cling to something. Fearful thoughts, the situation at hand, and David says, I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Transformation isn't passive. I cling to you. We cling to God and God holds on to us. The Hebrew word for cling means to pursue with with determination. Because I pursue you with determination. We are determined, like David, to pursue the nearness of God's presence. Not let me see if I can get out of this wilderness on my own, and then afterwards, I'll see God. That's not what this is about. You know why? Because God is the goal. And if you hear this psalm, if you hear anything, God is the goal. It starts with God. The goal isn't getting out of the desert. It's about getting God no matter where I'm at. the goal that's david's goal god i want you there's a lot of things going on in my life and I, but i want you if i had all those things back and not you it would not be worth it your love is better than life the life that i perceive for myself the life that i draw out for myself it's it's nothing without you without your love without your presence So you think about David's betrayal and you go, well, is he just dismissing all that's happening? Just like, I'm just going to praise Jesus. No, this does not exonerate those who do evil. This does not exonerate those who want his life. David just chooses to fight back differently by putting his affairs in the hands of the true king, the one who sits on a throne of righteousness and justice because justice will win out. Have you ever been bullied? Have you ever been made fun of? Have you ever been scorned? Have you ever been made to feel low? And then in a moment, you remember who has your back? You're like, oh man, when my brother finds out, when my cousin finds out, when my auntie finds out, when my mom finds out, oh my God. And you begin to picture how they will respond when they find out what's happening to you. You begin to feel like they've already responded, though it hasn't happened yet. Right? There's a little sense of yours like, oh man. Man, when my dad finds out, oh, man, you, you already know what's going to happen. And David, in this moment, he knows who God is. He's drawn near to him. He's clinging to him. And he's like, man, the God of justice is going to do his thing. Verse 9, those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of the liars will be silenced. David doesn't forget what has been done to him. He's just reminded that God has his back. Listen here, there's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot maybe going on in your personal life. Sometimes it's, it's too overwhelming to think about. And I just want to leave you with this. I want you to remember and imagine the God who so loves the world. And I want you to remember and imagine the God who so loves the world responding to the cries of the broken, to the marginalized, to the betrayed, to the cheated on, to the taken advantage of. Remembrance is fuel for our worship in the wilderness. And I'll end here. To remember God means to recall what God has done in the past and apply it to our present situation. To remember what God has done in the past and apply it to your present situation. What if we did that right now? There's a lot going through your minds right now, a lot that you're thinking of. You're thinking of that family, that relative, that thing that you're going through, and you if you remember, man, what God has done, if you ever followed Jesus and you remember the moment that he rescued you, if you remember the story of Jesus laying his life on the cross and, and resurrecting himself, and you begin to say, I'm going to apply that to the thing that's dead in my life, and say, God, I believe that you are the resurrection and the life. Will you bring resurrection to my life right now? Will you bring water and to my soul, God? Will you bring water to my, to my prayers right now, to my thought life, to my hope? to my dreams? Will you you bring resurrection to the city? Will you bring resurrection to our world that's divided and that's segregated and that's oppressed and that's lost? God, what what we need right now is you. Amen. Let me pray for us, Father. Thank you for your word. That is true, that it's life, that it's it's good, um, that you're good. God, will you remind us of your goodness? Um, You're the God of rescue. You're the God of hope. You're the God who never lets go. And um, hear our prayers, hear our cries, hear our hearts, God. We ask you to show up. Show up in this place. Meet us. Holy Spirit, you're so, so welcome here. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.